Well, good morning uh, once again, and we're, we're glad you're here. It's good to be... Happy March, everyone. Just say happy March to each other, to your neighbors. Happy freezing March, yeah. February was better than March in that sense. Uh, and, I, and I feel like you might say, I feel like we do that a lot. Like we say, you know, happy January, happy February. Well, I think it, it seems like it was just Christmas. Like, does time fly by? Do you think that time flies by? Can you believe it's March already? What's that? It's because I'm old? Oh, my word. We might have to discuss that. Uh, well, it, it, does, it seems like it was just Christmas, and it seems like it was just Valentine's Day, and time flies by, and uh, the wrestling tournament and the basketball tournaments are going on now, and March Madness is coming up, and it just seems like, wow, the days are just flying by. And um, the, I grew up in Story City, and so our girls' basketball team... Uh, Roland Story, it's called, is in the girls' state basketball tournament for the first time since 1973. So I'm kind of excited about that. Uh, the last time, I'm excited about March Madness, but the, the, the last time that they were there was when it was six-on-six six women's basketball, so you know how long uh, it's been. So um, if you don't have a favorite, uh, cheer for the Norsemen tomorrow they play. So uh, the days are moving by so quickly, and, and maybe for you, the days seem more like they're they're dragging on, and it's just kind of one day after another, and you're kind of in that winter lull, and you're going to work, and you're going to school, and you're doing your thing, and it's just, you're getting in your routine, and whether, whether it's dragging on or whether time is moving fast, time can pass us by if we're not careful, and days turn into months, and months turn into years, and pretty soon, uh, you ask, what am I doing here? What? What, what's really going on? And, and, and those of you that are maybe watching your kids or watching your grandkids uh, grow up, you know what I'm talking about. Time flies by and they're not so little anymore and you're not as agile as you used to be anymore. And, and the years go by and, and maybe some of you are thinking, wow, you know, it's been five or eight or 10 or 15 years since I graduated high school. Where, where, what have I done with my life? You ever catch yourself asking that? Like, what have I done? If I was to go to a reunion, what would I, what would I say? What have I done? A mentor of mine once warned me not to get so busy in life that you never stop and think. That you never stop and think, what am I doing here? And is what I'm doing here what I should be doing here? And you, we get so wrapped up in one task to the next and one day to the next and we just go from thing to thing. We never think and take a step back and Look at the big picture of what's going on. See, I think it's possible to be really, really busy, to be on the move, to be doing lots of things, even if there are things for God. It's, 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 it's easy to be really, really busy and to get really busy in life for a long time, but never really have a mission, never really have a purpose, and to never really define what that is, to never really live on purpose. And we're all on the move. We're all busy. All of you, when you introduce yourself to someone, what, what do you hear most of the time? Oh, oh, keeping busy. Oh, that's good. We're all busy, right? We're all on the move. I'm sure many of you would say, boy, I would love a nap. I would love another day off. We're all busy. Our days are crammed full of things. We're all busy. But what's your mission? What's your mission? What are, you, what are you on the move towards? What are you moving towards? What are you ultimately trying to accomplish during your time here on this earth? What are you moving towards? What's your mission? Today, 
our reading. And if you don't have a Bible, by the way, you can grab they're under the, the, um, the chairs on the ends of the aisles. They kind of move around from week to week. They have a mind of their own. So if you need one, just raise your hand and we can pass them down. There's plenty of Bibles if, if you need one. So some of the scripture is going to be up on the screen. A lot of it um, we just love to have in your hands there. And if you need a Bible uh, today, go ahead and take that home with you. So in our Bible reading today, uh, is, it's towards the end of Luke, and Jesus is looking over the city of Jerusalem, and he's reflecting on his mission, about where he's been and about where he's going. Jesus is reflecting on his mission and what he's accomplished so far, far and the important tasks that lay ahead. And we're in the second half of Luke, and, and we're finishing up Luke this week and moving in to John. Uh, we're reading through the Bible this year at Lutheran Church of Hope. It's the year of the Bible, and so we started with the Gospels, and, and uh, as we move into Lent now, we're going to be moving into the Gospel of John. But our passage today is, is one of those passages that it's easy to just skip over. You know when you're reading through your Bible, and you're really just looking for some meat, you're looking for some inspiration? You know where to go, right? You, everybody kind of has their favorite verses, and you, and you go to those, or if you haven't read the Bible in a while, you're just going to start skimming through it, and you're like, okay, that doesn't make any sense, so I'm not going to read that, so I'm just going to move on to the next thing and try to find the one that's really inspirational. And this is one of those texts today that Gina read for us that's not exactly a, yeah, it's cheery, cheer up, you're going to be destroyed. Um, that's, That's not the message of the text, but if you just read it from a superficial point of view, you would think that's what it is. And so as we're reading through the Bible... Um, you're going to come across these passages and and the the tendency is to skip over them. But what I don't want to do is skip over this passage today because I think it has a lot to do with that question about what is our mission? Because Jesus is pausing and Jesus is looking over Jerusalem and we've seen a Jesus who's been on the move. As you've been reading through these gospels, we know that, that throughout all these stories, Jesus is on the move. He's doing lots of things. Jesus has three short years on this earth, in his ministry, to accomplish a lot of things. That's why the Gospels that you read, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they're just very like this to that to this to that. And it's like, did Jesus ever sleep? Did he ever eat? You know, like some of the TV shows that you watch, they, they never sleep. They never eat. They're just hanging out all the time. They never go to work. So what did, what did Jesus do? And it seems like Jesus is always up to something. But in our scripture today, we catch one of those moments where in the midst of all the busyness, in the midst of all these stories you're reading in the Gospels, we stop and we pause for a second. And in this really short passage, we catch a glimpse of Jesus' heart. In the midst of all his busy work, in the midst of his mission, in the midst of being on the move, we're reminded of God's heart through Jesus. Jesus takes time to stop and think about what he's doing. So if you want to follow along, we're in verse 41, Luke 19, verse 41. As he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it. And he said, if you, just speaking generally to the city and to all of us as well, if you, even you, had only known on this day what would bring you peace, but now it is hidden from your eyes. And so, as we know, if you read on in that verse, Jesus is going to go on to describe the destruction that will come upon the city. And he's right. Jesus is, is uh, prophesying uh, here correctly. The temple will be and did eventually become destroyed. And it's important to understand the historical context of what's going on 
in these passages. The city of Jerusalem is a major city. It's the hub. It's where the temple is. It's where uh, Jews go to worship. It's, it's the hub. And so Jesus feels this deep sorrow over their disobedience. These are God's people. These are good Jews that live in the city and the temple's there and, and everything's supposed to be good and nice and perfect, but it's not. The city is full of disobedience. It's a city that has turned their hearts away from God. And so Jesus is talking about to them about punishment that's going to become, the repercussions of their disobedience, of their unbelief, and the struggles that they're going to face as a nation. But if you just stop there, you might say, well, that's kind of a depressing passage. But if you peel back all the layers, we get a glimpse into God's heart through Jesus. We see in Jesus that although he's been on the move for quite some time, although he's performed many incredible miracles, which you've probably been reading as you've been going through, Jesus has hundreds and thousands of people following him wherever he goes. And we, we don't think about that. You think about these stories of just isolated incidents of Jesus doing these different things. But he's a celebrity by this time. Okay, we're farther in now when you get deeper into the Gospels. There's more and more people following Jesus. Word's gotten out. If people get raised from the dead, you're going to hear about it. Okay, it doesn't happen every day. And so Jesus has hundreds and thousands of people that are following him. And so he's been on the move for quite some time. But even though he's done all that, and even though Jesus has accomplished all that, he knows that his mission is not yet complete. And he knows it. And so in this passage today, we see Jesus looking over Jerusalem. He's, he's come in on, on Palm Sunday and he's rode in on a donkey and people are worshiping him and celebrating him and he's looking over this city. And we're going to come and we're going we're gonna to celebrate Palm Sunday here in a few weeks. And he was welcomed in and he was praised as a king. But underneath it all, Jesus has to know that his mission is not yet accomplished. There's still a burden on his heart to accomplish this mission. And so Jesus is on the move, and he has a purpose, and now he's just days away from his death. Nobody else knows that, but Jesus knows that. What's your mission? What, what's a burden on your heart? What stirs your heart? What gets you riled up? For Jesus... His mission is completing the mission that his father has sent for him to do. The entire time, Jesus has been saying to everyone, I only do what my father tells me to do. I'm here to accomplish the will of the one who sent me. And so Jesus was missional. Jesus had a purpose. Jesus knew what his mission was from the beginning. And he only had three years, but his entire life was bent around that mission, was bent around that task. And so if you look back, um, in verse 10, still in chapter 19 and verse 10, if you look back, Jesus says this, for the Son of Man, this, Jesus is saying, this is my mission, this is what I'm about. In verse 10, for the Son of Man came to seek and save that what was lost. But Jesus knew that this would involve the ultimate sacrifice of his life. And so in our passage today, Jesus stands on the outskirts of the city and he pauses to consider the task before him. He knows that to complete the mission to show the full extent of his love. He needs to enter into a city full of people. Some love him, some hate him, but all of them are eventually going to have a part in putting him to death. The omission involves being on the move. He can't stay on the outskirts of the city. He's got to move into the city to sacrifice on behalf of the people that he loves. Jesus, his mission was not about himself. It was always about 
moving and being on the move on behalf of others. Jesus' mission on this earth was not about himself. It was for the sake of others. During my summers of my college years, I would be on different teams that would go to different uh, churches uh, to do vacation Bible school, to put on day camp. And so a group of us counselors would go and we would play all sorts of games and we would do lots of different things. And my favorite part of the day was rec, rec fun time, uh, recreation time, um, after Bible study, of course. And um, so we're, we're, we're in rec time, and we're doing lots of different games, and so we would find the biggest open lot that we could by the church. Sometimes it was gravel, or sometimes it was sand or grass, or whatever the church happened to have. And we would play Capture the Frisbee. Has anyone ever played Capture the Frisbee? Do we have any Capture the Frisbee fans? Okay, a few. Okay, so Capture the Frisbee. Basically, there's two teams, either side of the line, and there's a jail on either side. And so this team hides Frisbees on that side, and this team hides Frisbees on that side. And so it was my favorite game. And um, it was my, my favorite part of the day. And so um, everyone, everyone uh, got involved uh, with that, and we played all week. And so we'd play all throughout the summer, and we'd go to these different churches, and the idea was that you get as many Frisbees as you can back onto your side without being touched. Okay? So if you get tagged, if you get touched, then you go to jail. And you're stuck there unless somebody from your team runs all the way across the enemy's side and comes and rescues you and gets you out of jail. So we had this running game with myself and the other counselors that we'd always check back in at the camp when the week was done. And so all throughout the summer, all 10 weeks of the summer, we would keep this running tab of how many Frisbees we got. So it was kind of a rude thing to do because it was just for the fun of the kids, but we were having our own little game. So we'd see go, going through the summer who could get as many Frisbees as they could. And so all throughout the summer, we would keep track of that. And then at the end of the summer, we'd figure out, okay, who was the best capture the Frisbee player? Who got the most Frisbees? But there was one counselor, Rob, who never reported in about how many Frisbees he got. And it wasn't until the end of the summer when everyone realized uh, that everyone that had been on day camp with Rob is that he never, he never reported in. He was never up in the top 10 of the tallies of how many Frisbees you got. In- instead, what Rob had done was that he'd used the game not to gather as many Frisbees as he could for himself and run up his own totals, but Rob had spent the entire summer seeing how many times he could get to the jail to rescue as many people as he could. He was never one of the popular players. He was never in the top ten list, but he was always running over. And so he'd get caught a lot. He'd spend a lot of time in jail but he'd also rescue a lot of people. About 40 more times than the rest of us had Rob been and rescued, and he kept his own tally in his head of how many times he'd gotten to the jail. Rob spent that summer living for the sake of others. Rob spent that summer living his, his life, that game, on behalf of others. What's your mission? What's your mission? What's your time here on this earth really about? Is it to run up your own score? Or is it to spend yourself on behalf of others? The Jesus that we see in Luke that you've been reading about, that we'll see coming up now in the Gospel of John, is the kind of person that spends himself on behalf of others. Jesus was like, Rob, it wasn't about running up his own score. It wasn't about doing whatever he wanted to do, what felt good at the time. It's a Jesus who's on the move. It's a Jesus who's on a mission. 
to bring heaven to earth and to rescue us from these lives that we've tried to live on our own because we all go and try to find life on our own. He comes and he rescues us from that. Jesus was missional. And by that we mean that Jesus' identity was based in his mission. His, his mission, his, his purpose in this life was based on the fact of what he was called to do. Not on the circumstances that surrounded him. Not on his ability to accomplish it. Not on his feelings day to day, how he felt, how motivated he was from day to day. And it wasn't based on what other people thought. It was about the mission. That's where Jesus' identity was rooted in. And so we can't look at what our mission is, what we're supposed to be doing here on this earth, and what God might be calling us to do without looking at Jesus' call. And as we're going to read in a few weeks, in John chapter 20, verse 21, Jesus says, As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. And so the essence of Jesus' life on this earth is mission. And so as he's leaving, Jesus sends us out with that same mission as well. God sent me, now I am sending you. Back to chapter 19, verse 10. For the Son of Man came to seek and save that what was lost. The reason that it's important to know that Jesus was missional is that it not only brings, it brings our personal missions, but the mission of City Branch, the mission of hope as a church, it brings that into context. It brings that into focus. Lutheran Church of Hope has a mission statement. And maybe some of you work for companies or organizations or businesses or you're, you're entrepreneurs and you're trying to develop a mission statement. What are we going to be about? What is the purpose of your organization? Lutheran Church of Hope has a mission statement. It's a purpose for who we are as a church and thus as individuals because the church is us. That's our mission. We are the church. We're a missional church because our identity as Lutheran Church of Hope, as City Branch, our identity is found in us as being a people who are sent. Our mission is not to just be here. Our mission is to go and be and, and to be uh, what we've been called to do. And that is to reach out to the world around us and share the everlasting love of Jesus Christ. Let's say that together. To reach out to the world around us and share the everlasting love of Jesus Christ. That's the mission of hope. Hope's mission is just climbing on board with what Jesus was up to and what the Holy Spirit now continues to do through us. We're a church that's on the move, just like Jesus was. Jesus models this through the Gospels as he does here in Luke, and his mission comes into clarity. And, and the, the, the focus of his life, it, it comes into clear view because he knows what his mission is, that God has sent him to do this. There's, there's two different ways that we can view our mission in this world, and, and even within the context of the church, that we can view our mission in light of what Jesus is doing in this world. We don't make up our own mission statements based on what we want to do as the church. Yes, we're a collective bunch of individuals and we have our own gifts and skills, but what is it that we're really about as a church? And so I like visuals once in a while, and they're good. So here's an here's attempt. I think we got that coming up at what this might look like. And so there's two, uh, there's two very different ways to view yourself as a part of Jesus' mission. And in this first diagram, the largest concern is me. The largest concern is my needs and my comforts and my uh, abilities uh, my frisbee record, uh, my spiritual growth, and the rewards that come from that. And so then if, if we're taken care of, if, if that's the focus of our lives, then if we're taken care of within the context of the church, well then maybe we have a little bit left 
uh, to give to something else, which in this case is the church. If we, if we can just win some more people to come to our church, and if we can get them to like us, then we can grow in numbers, and then we can grow our programs, and it'll be great. But the focus is still us, and then if we have anything left over, it's the church. And so we need to take care of ourselves first, and then if we have a little bit left, then we can make the church functional, and we'll offer some help there. And so in the end, it's not any wonder that when that becomes the focus, the challenge for, then, for us as a church is to really believe that we're missional, to really believe that we exist for the sake of others. Because is Jesus' ultimate aim for us to gather together every week and for you to get your religious goods and services and then to move on? Is that the existence of why we're here? Is that the existence of the church? Well, let's look at a different diagram. Let's check out diagram number two. In this one, Jesus comes with his saving love for the world. That's Jesus' mission, with his love for the world. And he creates the church within that as a missional community to join him in that mission. Jesus is on the move, and so Jesus creates the church inside the world to be a missional community to join him in what he's already doing. And so within then, within that, within the church, Jesus invites me to be a part of that community, to experience his love and to participate in that mission. Not to get as many Frisbees as I can, but to exist for the sake of the world around me. Jesus stands over Jerusalem and he cries from his heart. And he lives his, his life with this burden that he feels to seek and to save the lost. It's his mission. Thus, it's the church's mission. It's Hope's mission. And so it's our mission as collective individuals. And so with this, when this diagram is the case, what it does is, is this makes us all missionaries. It's no longer missionaries are just people that go to Africa for five years, but regardless of what our day jobs are, regardless of where we spend our time, regardless of what groups of friends you find yourself in, we're all in mission. If you're on a mission, you're a missionary. <laughs> you're a missionary. Every single one of you today is a missionary. We're here. We're a part of that. You are a part of the church, and the church is in the world, and we're a part of that mission to bless the world, to bring a bit of heaven to earth, to usher in the kingdom of God, just like Jesus did. And so missionaries are no longer people that just go overseas. There's people that we can love and serve in our own backyards every single day. They're people, missionaries are people like you and I, with friends and co-workers and running partners and people we see at the grocery store every single day. And so that's our mission. We're a missional church. Jesus was a missional person. And so for the rest of our time today, I just want to walk through three characteristics, three big ideas of what it looks like to be on the move with Jesus. If you're one, what does that look like in my life. Three key ideas of what it looks like to be on the move with Jesus. And so how do we participate in that? Obviously, the first characteristic is that we become kingdom builders. We become kingdom builders. If we're on the move with Jesus, our primary concern is the advancement of his kingdom. The first thing that Jesus says in the beginning of his ministry, way back in the beginning of the Gospel of Mark, Jesus says, the time has come. The kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. It's like the first thing Jesus ever said as a part of his ministry. 
And so every healing, every teaching, every miracle, everything that Jesus does is about the kingdom becoming a reality. People are healed, lives are changed, sins are forgiven. So when we're on the move with Jesus, our primary concern is that kind of work. It's about life transformation. We don't exist for ourselves. People experiencing the freedom and the peace and the joy that Jesus brings. And so as kingdom builders, we don't necessarily care how that happens. We just want to see it happen. We just want to be a part of that. And that's the idea behind our Lenten project, this hopeless idea. Is You might wonder, man, Hope is doing all sorts of different things with all these different organizations. It's because they're already doing it. There's no need for us to reinvent the wheel. There's no... Uh, there's no competition. There's no jealousy. If there's another church, if there's an organization that's already doing something or that can do something better than us, we're going to come alongside them and support them because we're kingdom builders. It's about the kingdom. Jesus is on the move, and he doesn't, sometimes when he does a miracle, he's going to do it one way, and sometimes when he does a miracle, he's going to do it another way. It's not about how it's getting done. It's that it's getting done. This isn't about hope. This isn't about city branch. It's about the kingdom. And so we're going to continue to develop those friendships and those relationships with organizations and groups in our area who are making Jesus known as well. Because we know that we can't do it all. But together we can make a difference. And so being a kingdom builder also means that we're open to how Jesus wants to work through us. That City Branch is his church and we're here for Jesus to use us as he wants. Uh, The late author John Wimber wrote, and I love this quote, he said, I'm like change in God's pocket. I'm like change in God's pocket. He can spend me however he wants. And I would, I would pray that that's what we're like as a church, that City Branch, that we're just change in God's pocket. And that he's going about his business, he can use us as he wants. He can spend us wherever he wants. We don't come to church with an agenda of saying, this is what I want to accomplish and this is what I want to get out of it. We're here to be change in God's pocket, that he can spend us as he wants. And sometimes we're not going to feel like it. And sometimes we don't live close to where uh, the action is taking place. And sometimes we're not as knowledgeable about a subject, about mission as we'd like to be. But Jesus is on the move. And sometimes you've got to learn as you go. Our job is to be available. Our job is to be willing. Kingdom builders. Secondly, being on the move with Jesus means that you have a passion for people. Jesus is looking over Jerusalem in our scripture today, and Jesus is, isn't weeping with compassion over the buildings. He's not weeping with compassion over the roads. He's not weeping with compassion over the, the temples and the synagogues. It's about people, because his heart is for people. And, and reading through the Gospels the last couple months, I'm sure you've noticed, Jesus spends a majority of his time with people. He could spend a a lot more time going to all sorts of of people, but he really focuses in and he takes time to personally spend time with individuals. Jesus knew, he knew that ministry was and will always be about people. And so we're called to remember the same. For Jesus, the greatest use of his time was love. And the greatest expression of his love was time. That's what Jesus offered It's about people. And so when you look over the city, what do your eyes see? When you look at your block, when you look at your neighborhood, what do your eyes see? Is there compassion for them? Is there a burden for them to experience 
the life that Jesus wants them to experience. It's not, it's not a judgmental sort of thing. It's, I, I want the very best for them. I don't want anyone in my circle of influence to miss out on the life that Jesus has for them. I want them to experience that freedom. I want them to experience that peace. I want them to experience that joy. It's about having a passion for people. Jesus is on the move. And finally, being on the move, being in mission with Jesus means that you know God's heart. What does God love? What makes God's heart break? What stirs God's heart? What brings him joy? And another reason why it's so important that we're reading through the Bible, that we're not just doing that on Sundays, but that you're doing it every single day as we're reading through these scriptures, is because as we read the Bible, we understand God's heart. We understand how God has moved through history and how he wants to move today. What are the things that God's passionate about? What are the things that stir God's heart? That's where we get our cues. That's where we find our mission. Jesus is on the move, and so he spends his life in mission, and he calls us to do the same. Are you a kingdom builder? Is there passion in your heart for people, and do you know God's heart? Do you know what his heart is beating for? And so before the final week of his life, Jesus stands and he looks over Jerusalem. He looks over the city with compassion, and then he goes and he dies. He spends his life for the sake of others. In a short time, we're going to celebrate Holy Communion together. And as we're remembering that sacrifice, we remember that Jesus breaks himself open on behalf of others. He spends his life on behalf of others. When the bread breaks and when the the, the wine flows, it's his body and it's his blood that's poured out for all of us. And so as we conclude today, I want you to flip over your bulletin. And if you have a pen or if you don't have one, try to borrow one uh, from someone around you. And I I just want you to spend some time, either in a way that, that works well for you, thinking about your mission. You think about your spheres of influence and those areas that, that God's called you to. What does he want to do through you today? What does he want to do through you this week? So I just want to, the band's just going to play some quiet music. I just want you to spend some time reflecting on that. If it's writing it out, that's good. If it's just sitting there and reflecting, that's good. Maybe for you it's drawing. Maybe you're an artist and you need to draw that out, what that looks like. What does it look like? What does it look like for you to be broken on behalf of others. Jesus stands over Jerusalem and it says he weeps for the city. What does God put on your heart? When, when you look at the city, do you have the eyes of Jesus? When you look at those circles of influence that you have, what is God calling you to do? So you just spend some time reflecting on that and and write that out. I challenge you to to write it out, not just think about it because you'll forget it. Write it out and spend some time thinking, what mission does God have for me today?